Hello, and welcome to the History of Haiti. Before we begin today, I would like to apologize that this episode is a day late. I do still intend to post an episode every other Sunday, and so without further ado, I will begin this one. In the last few episodes, I've been setting up French Saut du Monde. We've seen its rugged foundations as a pirate base, its evolutions into a plantation economy, we've seen revolts, and explored the great tensions within the colony. This, of course, has all been building up to the great Haitian Revolution. Today, we will watch as all the ruling classes in the colony attempt to take advantage of a revolution back in France, the ever-so-famous French Revolution. The French Revolution is complex, and I am not going to talk about it to great extent. If you want an in-depth look at the French Revolution, then I highly suggest you check out Season 3 of Mike Duncan's Always Fascinating Revolutions podcast. But the TLDR of it is that in 1789, the French king called the States General, a sort of French advisory parliament with delegates from the three estates the nobility, the clergy, and literally everyone else, also known as the Third Estate, to meet in Paris. But then the Third Estate delegates boycotted the meeting, took an oath at an indoor tennis court, and declared themselves and were recognized by the king to be the National Assembly, an actual French parliament composed of elected delegates. Back in Saint-Dumont, the big whites began to form assemblies of white property holders to demand home rule and economic independence. These assemblies sent representatives back to France to represent these demands in an attempt to convince the National Assembly to let Saint-Dumont send 18 delegates. They helped form the Club Messiaque, a society of white Caribbean colonists focused on protecting their shared interests and defending the slave trade in the colonies against abolitionism. The Free Coloreds also had representatives in France who lobbied France in hopes of gaining equality and French citizenship for the Coloreds. The Coloreds attempted to join the Club Messiaque, but were denied membership based on the color of their skin. So instead, the Coloreds formed an alliance with the Club Messiaque's direct rifle, the Society of the Friends of the Blacks. One year earlier, a writer named Jacques-Pierre Brousseau was inspired by English abolitionists to found the Friends of the Blacks, a society focused on gradually emancipating the French colonial slaves. Many revolutionaries joined, including but not limited to the Marquis de Lafayette, the Abbé Grégoire, the Comte de Mirabeau, and Alexandre Pétion. Free-colored lobbyists formed an alliance with the Friends of the Blacks, claiming that giving the coloreds full rights would be a step towards gradual emancipation. Of course, the coloreds now in the Friends of the Blacks, an abolitionist society, did own hundreds of slaves. One of these colored lobbyists is going to become important later on, so I may as well introduce him now. I am, of course, talking about Julian Raymond. Julian Raymond was born in 1744 in the south province of Saint-Dumont. His father was a white, poor French colonist, and his mother was a very wealthy free mulatto. By the 1780s, 
Raymond was one of the wealthiest men in the colony, owning several plantations and over 100 slaves. Like many free coloreds, he was disgusted at the loss targeting the free coloreds, and in 1785, he sailed to France to lobby for equal rights. With the outbreak of the revolutionary in 1789, he and his friend, Vincent Auger, became some of the leading members in the alliance between the Friends of the Blacks and the Coloreds. When the big whites put forward a petition saying that since Saint-Dumont had a population of around 500,000, it should have 18 representatives, all of whom should be property-owning whites, the Coloreds and the Friends of the Blacks fought back hard. For one thing, although the population of Saint-Dumont was 500,000, although that did not account for some undocumented slaves, of which there could have been up to 200,000, there were only about 40,000 whites in the colony. The rest of the population consisted of about 28,000 free coloreds, and then several hundred thousand slaves. The coloreds claimed that they were, too were property owners, and as such should be allowed to vote and run for office as well. The Friends of the Blacks argued that since the slaves were not allowed to vote, they should not be counted when counting up the total population of the colony. Eventually, however, a compromise was reached that allowed Saint-Dumont six big white representatives. Three months later, the National Assembly ratified the ever-so-famous Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, a constitution inspired by the American Declaration of Independence and which drew from many Enlightenment ideas. Article 1, one of the most important, read, Men are born and remain free and equal in right. Social distinctions can be founded only on the common good. Now, depending on how you read it, it could declare rights for free coloreds or even abolish slavery. Or, as the whites claimed, it did not mention slavery. However, when the National Assembly was forced to vote on whether the Declaration of the Rights of Man would apply in the colonies, they decided to vote on it at a later time. Back in Saint-Dumont, tensions were rising as everyone tried to take advantage of the French Revolution. Royal officials fled the colony. Garrisons mutinied. Riots had already broken out. The whites tried to hide the news of the revolution back in France from the slaves, but the slaves working as servants and dock workers overheard their masters discussing the latest revolutionary news and spread the news onward to the rest of the slaves out in the field. It was in this atmosphere of tension that the first meeting of the colonial assembly in Saint-Marc was called. In April 1790, France gave permission for 200 elected white delegates from across Saint-Dumont to meet in Saint-Marc to form the Colonial Assembly. This group included a mix of big and small whites, many, but by no means all, seeking economic freedom, home rule, and the exclusion of the coloreds from all forms of government in the colony. So they were infuriated when they heard that back in France, the National Assembly had passed a set of decrees that one, 
open voting for the colonial assembly to only property holders, whether they white or black, including the poor small whites, and two, the colonial assembly would have jurisdiction over internal affairs, but critically, trade policy was to be handled by France. The colonial assembly was outraged and declared that all the ports in the colony were now open to foreign trade. At this point, half the delegates had already outright quit the assembly, and the rest had already began making wild claims about self-government. Upon hearing about this, the National Assembly back in France ordered that the colonial assembly disband. When the colonial assembly refused to disband, the governor-general, who had no love for the colonial assembly in the first place, amassed an army and marched to Saint Mark to disband them by force. Trapped, and after a failed call to arms, 85 of the colonial assembly delegates boarded a ship called the Leopard and sailed away to France. There, they were pardoned and all joined the Club Messiaque. In the aftermath of this all, the governor-general came under fire from the whites for attempting to forcibly disband the colonial assembly. In response, the governor-general, sick and tired, decided to resign in favor of the man who is going to become part of the reason stuff is about to escalate so quickly, Philbert Francois Roxel de Blancheland, who we will certainly be coming back to. In October 1790, a man named Vicente Auguet would attempt to force France and Saint-Dumont to accept colored equality. Vicente Auguet had been a free-colored lobbyist back in France. He had worked with Julian Raymond and the Friends of the Blacks to convince the National Assembly to establish colored citizenship. Eventually, he became fed up with the National Assembly and began working with his friend and accomplice Chavons to plan a revolt. So, in October 1790, Auguet and Chavons left France and sailed first to England, where they received money from English abolitionists, and then on to America, where they purchased guns. Then they quietly landed on the north coast of Saint-Dumont and made their way through to the northern parish of Grand Riviera, just on the borders of Spanish Santo Domingo. There, Auguet declared himself in revolt and was able to attract 300 free coloreds to join him. He made it clear that his revolt was just in support of colored rights, but he also threatened to arm the slaves if the whites refused to give in, although he ultimately would never. Auguet's force of coloreds defeated a white force sent to stop them and then moved north in an attempt to march on Le Cap. But Oge's force was like 300 guys, and so they were easily crushed by an army of 1,500 whites sent to defeat them. Oge and Chavons fled across the border into Spanish Santo Domingo, but a few months later they were extradited and brought back to Saint-Dumont. There they were tried, convicted, and broken on the wheel before being beheaded. Both the whites and the coloreds were shocked by the Oge revolt, but for separate reasons. 
The whites saw this as confirmation that the colors were ready to violently revolt and murder the whites to gain racial equality, and heard Oge's threat of arming the slaves as a threat not only to them, but to the whole of Saint-Dumont. The colors were also horrified by, by what had happened to Oge. Here was a colored who had been violently murdered simply for defending the rights they believed had been given to them by the National Assembly. Colored lobbyists back in France were equally outraged about this and began another round of debates and political battles with the Club Messiaque and big white lobbyists in Paris. On May 15, 1791, after much debate, the Coloreds won a major political battle. The May 15th decree, as it would come to be known, gave full rights to Coloreds born to two free parents. When word of the May 15th decree arrived back in Saint-Dumont, the whites immediately revolted. In the colonial capital of Port-au-Prince, small whites forced Governor General Blanchelin to flee the city and effectively took over the colonial capital. Big and small whites banded together, forming militias that battled French soldiers. They also threatened independence and created all-white assemblies that passed decrees. The Colors attempted to form their own assembly in the town of Mirabile, where they demanded an end to the all-white assemblies, and that the Governor-General Blanchland enforce the May 15th decree. When he refused to, and ordered the Colors to disperse, the Colors violently revolted and battled the white militias. So now we have the Colors in revolt, the whites in revolt, and the royal administration battling them both. But now that the ruling classes were divided and fighting among themselves, one group will take their shot at freedom, the slaves, and they will be successful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.